Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back to Race for the Case on the Yahoo College Sports Podcast. I am Pat Forty. He is Pete Thamel. We are going to pick some football games against the spread for you all. And we are sorry we have not done a very good job of that last week. We both uh, went two and four with our picks. And that is actually with me generously giving Pete Thamel the, the late line movement on the Wake Forest Boston College game. Otherwise, that would have been a push and I would have won the week. But in the spirit of fairness, generosity, and goodwill. We're going to call that a Pete Thamel win. We were each two and four. Uh, The good news, if you want some, is that we both hit our lock of the week. Pete Thamel did the smartest thing you can possibly do so far this football season, which was to bet against Florida State. He took Syracuse getting points at home, and as we know, they trucked the miserable Seminoles. I took Vanderbilt at Notre Dame getting 14 and a half. They lost by five. They had a chance to win it late. So we got that going for us, which is nice. Not that else, not much else was very nice last week. Uh, Pete, how are you doing? You ready to pick some games this week? I am ready. As as we should always tell our listeners, it's much smarter to buy Amazon stock than listen to our picks. <laughs> like it just like, you know, call your local broker, Apple stock, Amazon, you know, whatever. Not, you know, don't put your 401k on what Pat and I say, despite how authoritative we sound when we pick them. We're often wrong and gambling is not a good way to uh, spend other than maybe like a little smidge of your discretionary income. There you go. Yes. A little, you know, discretionary income. A little little juice. That's all. No future tuitions or mortgages should be gambled on our, uh, on our hunches. Although I am three, and zero in locks of the week. So I'm just. (laughs) Bet in moderation, sports fans out there. Uh, If it's choice between buying Dan Wetzel's Bush Light or putting $20 on Stanford, Oregon, uh, go ahead and put the money on Stanford, Oregon. (laughs) Speaking of. Stanford and Oregon, Pete Thamel. And by the way, we are tied overall for the season. We not only tied last week, we are still tied. And the objective here is to get to 24 wins uh, and win a case of beer from the other picker. So that's what Pete and I are gambling for. Uh, we'd love your feedback on this. Feel feel free to uh, subscribe on iTunes. Feel free to leave us a review, preferably a nice one. Feel free to give us feedback on games you would like to hear us discuss on our Race for the Case segment. Now, let's go to the games, Petey. Uh, We've got that Pac-12 game that I spoke about. Let's start with that. Stanford 
undefeated, not exactly overwhelming so far, but 3-0 and uh, against some decent teams, against USC then San Diego State, which is always a tough out, is giving two points in Eugene against an Oregon team that is 3-0 and and has people excited, but the Ducks haven't played anybody. Can they get Outson Stadium rocking like they used to during the Chip Killy days when they were, or Marcus Mariota was quarterbacking? Uh, or is this a Stanford W? How do you see it, Pete? Well, first of all, Pat, since the last time we talked about Stanford, I asked if your daughter Brooke would be attending the game. Obviously, this is a road game. I doubt she's going to be tripping to Autzen Stadium. But is Brooke Forty like moderately paying attention to this Cardinal team? She is moderately paying attention, although, uh, and this is the 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 travails of Stanford football. Uh, their home game against UC Davis also dovetailed with move-in weekend at Stanford because they haven't even started class yet. And uh, so she did not attend the clash with the Dan Hawkins-led UC Davis. But I'm sure she'll be at least watching this game uh, along with her Stanford swimming teammates. All right. I know we have a large Stanford uh, contingent listening along to the we podcast. We do. So I just wanted to, I just wanted to keep, keep, that, keep that updated. And, shout uh, out and going. to the Cardinal. That's good thought. Good thought. And I will shout out to the Cardinal because I think they're going to steamroll Oregon, not just beat them. I have not really been impressed with Oregon in the windows and snippets I saw them. Bowling Green gave them fits here and there. I feel like stylistically Stanford can come in. I think this is a a pretty good Stanford team. When you look at all the very good teams David Shaw has had, I feel like this team has the potential. We haven't really seen a lot of Bryce Love yet. I feel like this could be a little bit of a coming out for him, just in terms of really breaking out like we we saw him early last season. I feel like the Cardinal come in, and I'm going to give it like a little like 28 to 13. Okay, there we go. Well, I, you know what? I'm, I'm with you. I agree on the outcome. I think Stanford wins. Stanford covers. And yeah, it's been an uncharacteristic uh, Stanford team offensively where uh, they are not running the ball with much of any authority. Uh, you know, they have always been run first, run second, run third. Right now, they are uh, ninth in the Pac-12 in rushing. Uh, Bryce Love was bottled up the first game. He missed the third game with injury. He was pretty good in the one in between. So yeah, I could see I could see him getting un, untracked a little bit on that uh, artificial turf in Oregon and breaking some big runs there. I, th- I think Oregon is still a ways away. They you know they've put up very nice numbers. They are leading the Pac-12 in both rushing offense and rushing defense, but they have played no one so far. Stanford's going to be a whole different animal. And I think they will uh, provide a reality check for the Ducks. And the Cardinal will win and cover the two points there. All right. Uh, the, uh, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, who we have bet either for or against. Gosh, have we, have we done it every week? No, we didn't do Ball State. But we certainly were on, we were on opposite sides of Notre Dame, Michigan. You were right. I was wrong. And then I was on the Vandy side uh, last game. And now Notre Dame begins their unofficial ACC schedule. They play five ACC games every year, and uh, they're at Wake Forest laying eight points. Demon Deacons have become a much tougher out over the years under Dave Clawson, uh, but they also have a way to manage losing some a fair amount of close games. So uh, they lost a close one to Boston College at home uh, last Thursday. They've got extra time to prepare here, which could be a factor whereas Notre Dame is coming off a game Saturday and a close game, a a pretty physical game, against Vanderbilt. Pete, Notre Dame laying eight in Winston-Salem. Your thoughts? 
I think the uh, flighting Colossians are going to keep it close. Fascinating stat, Pat. Wake Forest is number one in the country in snaps. Hmm. No one is playing faster than the Demon Deacons right now, which if I told you that at the end of that epic BC, uh, BC Wake Forest 3-3 tie game <laughs> that went into overtime three years ago, you would have probably thought that was a little strange. So Warren Ruggiero, the uh, crafty offensive coordinator for Wake, has him running. Notre Dame's offense, not running that fast. 99th in the country overall. They've sputtered against two bad teams. I feel like Notre Dame figures out a way to win, but does not cover. So I'm going to say 35-34 Irish win in Winston-Salem. Yeah, I'm, I'm going with you there. And I'm not sure Notre Dame can score 35. I, I, I give uh, the Deacons the cover with it at eight points instead of, say, six and a half. I think it's a much more attractive option because it looks like a touchdown game to me. Uh, Notre Dame, thus far this season, Gets out of the blocks great. The script works. Whatever Brian Kelly uh, draws up heading into the game works. They go down the field. They score. And then as the game progresses, the offense bogs down. Uh, Brandon Wimbush has been inconsistent, just as he really has been throughout his uh, his career. Uh, you know, he is, he's got some athletic skill, but his running sometimes comes and goes. His passing mechanics sometimes come and go. He's only completing 55% of his throws, one touchdown, four interceptions, and let's be frank, the one touchdown pass he threw required an incredible catch in the end zone by Chris Fink. So uh, I, I just don't – I'm not in love with this Notre Dame offense at all, and I think uh, Wake Forest certainly keeps it close. So we are both uh, on the same side of that one as well. Now, Pete, let's go to uh, Neyland Stadium. Florida and Tennessee and SEC East clash used to be the highlight of the schedule in the SEC, but that was a while ago. That was the 1990s for you. Now it's uh, two struggling teams playing each other, two struggling programs. Uh, the Gators, though, coming off a, uh, a get-well win against Colorado State after the ghastly loss to Kentucky, are laying four and a half at the Vols. The Vols were – he manhandled in their opener by West Virginia, but then came back and have beaten two bad teams, UTEP, which hasn't won a game since, like, the 1800s, and uh, East Tennessee State. So, Pete, Florida laying four and a half in Neyland Stadium. Your thoughts? I think UTEP beat Cumberland the week after they <laughs> lost to Georgia Tech 220 to nothing in 1916. Wetzel won a lot of money on that game, too. Um I feel like Tennessee is just not very good right now. I, I don't certainly have the, the highest of esteem for Florida, but I feel like Tennessee is so bad and their offense is fairly inept that Florida messes around and wins like 21 to 7. Uh, but I think this is going to be a gross game. Uh, I don't recommend watching, but I do think the Gators, we've seen some development from Felipe Franks, from Dan Mullen and Brian Johnson there. But long way to go for the Gators. Long way to go for this game to be a bellwether for, like, the national title. Now uh, now it's just two first-year coaches at their respective programs trying to figure it out. I'm going to take Mullen over Pruitt in this one. Yeah, I, it's, I think it's a bellwether for who's going to be, like, third or fourth in the SEC East at this point. That's, that's about all that we're bellwethering in this game. And uh, I hate to be repetitious, but I actually have to agree with you here, too. I, just, I can't pick Tennessee at this point. UTEP. By the way, last win was November 26, 2016. It's been a while. Whoa. 
Yeah, they were oh. they were winless last year. They are winless so far this year. They lost by 20 to FCS Northern Arizona, which makes me not totally blown away by Tennessee beating them by 24. I cannot bet on Tennessee in any sort of good conscience at this point. Give me the Gators there. Uh, I agree that Dan Mullen's kind of starting probably to tweak things to where uh, the players are comfortable with what he wants to do and he's comfortable with what they can do, and I think they probably pull this one out. Okay, let's go to the state of Texas. Uh, Big 12 game. Uh, speaking of teams that are probably playing for it best, second best in their conference, TCU is at Texas. Uh, I watched the Horn Frogs play against Ohio State, a good entertaining game in Arlington, and now they're going to go to Austin to take on the Texas Longhorns, who perhaps have a pulse. Uh, after the ghastly opening loss to Maryland, they have rebounded with a couple of wins, most notably last Saturday against USC, really handled USC, uh, and uh, we're, we're pretty well authoritative in that game. So, Pete, we have, you know, the, what's become the actual joke question, is Texas back? And, uh, and who is your pick? Are the cat's going to win. <laughs> Who's the pick with the Horned Frogs giving three and a half? Yeah, I was at Texas last week after the AM Clemson game, spent a couple days around there. I do think there is incremental progress, which we saw some on the field behind the scenes there. But I, I do think one byproduct of that win is that USC is just not that good. Um, Texas has struggled, especially early in games this season, stopping teams. And TCU came out about – 9,000 miles an hour uh, against against Ohio State, playing as fast as I've ever seen a, a, a tempo offense go. I don't think that's a good combination for uh, for Texas. I think Gary Patterson's defense will uh, will give Sam Ellinger fits. He, he did not have his turnover-itis against USC, but I just think that the multiplicity of what Patterson does and the athletes that he has will – will give them problems. The one thing I will give Texas credit for being back is that they actually have a raucous, vibrant home environment. That was a wine and cheese crowd for years in those Mac Brown days. I mean, you went to a ton of games there, Pat. So did I. It was like a nice place to see a game, but you were never like, man, I'm going to Texas. You were like, cool, I'm going to Austin. I'll get some barbecue and probably have a margarita. But like the actual game environment there was pedestrian at best. That has been overhauled. A bunch of veteran people around that program told me that the USC game was the most electric they've ever been around in all their years around the program. They have the student section revamped. They have live music outside. Like It's actually like an event there. So it will be a more intimidating environment for TCU than most. That said, I think the Horn Frogs win 25-13. Okay. Well, you know what? I, I'm going to disagree with you just to be disagreeable because that's my nature. Uh, I, I, I agree for the most part. By the way, part. everyone should go against all the picks we have. If Pat and I <laughs> are thinking the same on all five, if you bet the other five, uh, you can afford some Amazon. That's probably true, but I'm going to take the Longhorns, by golly. Um, since, since you're taking the Frogs, give me the horns. Uh, it's good to hear that they are getting some atmosphere there, and I will ask you a question about that in just a second after I discuss the game briefly. You know, I just I, – TCU fired a pretty big bullet uh, last weekend. I, I'm not sure they can come back uh, and play necessarily. And I, you know, they hate Texas, and they'll be up for the game. But you, they, they were really up for the Ohio State game. Uh, they threw everything they had at them from a play call standpoint, formations, everything like that. They ran a fake kickoff return that should have worked, except they threw a forward lateral instead of a backward lateral. I think they kind of emptied the chamber there, and they're probably a little bit physically – uh, feeling the effects of the Ohio State game as well. So I will say Texas, uh, 
in its first probably real corner-turning victory under Tom Herman, gets the win, or at least covers the three and a half and loses by a field goal. How about that? So, all right, here's my question for you, Pete, before we get to the last game. You mentioned the improved atmosphere there. Best college atmosphere you have been in, uh, not a single game, but which, which, which place really turns it out and turns it up? Yeah, so if it's your uh, it's your last meal college football game, if you will, I would have to tell you to go to LSU at night. And that may be a cliche answer, but man, that's like an experience more than anything else. Like I think about it and I feel my ribs shaking just from like Death Valley and how loud it is. They get there early, they bring in deep fryers with them, and they bring enough alcohol to basically get – um, a small European country intoxicated for a month and a half. And uh, the passion is real. The consumption is real. Uh, the culture is real there. I, uh, I, would, I would recommend if someone's doing a bachelor party or if – because you can go to New Orleans and kind of scoot over sure. and scoot back. Obviously, have someone, someone drive you, please. <laughs> yeah. um, it, is a, uh, it, is, it is an intense, insane atmosphere there. And we may see that three times this fall, Pat, because we're going to have Georgia, Mississippi State, and Alabama going there in three consecutive games. There's a bye week in between for uh, yeah. for the LSU Tigers there. Yeah. So uh-huh. Baton Rouge will roar. It will, and that's yeah. No, I agree, and that, it is. It's probably the best place to go. And as you said, it's intense, but it's also fun before the game because they they have a good time when they party. Uh, there's some places you get some angry drunk, but they, they get fun drunk. Now they, they lose, come out, it's a little different story. But before the game, it is a fun, fun place to be. And I always remember Jamarcus, I think it was, no, it wasn't Jamarcus Russell. Who was the quarterback before him there? Rohan Davey, I believe, said, yeah, when you come out, you hear the fans roar and you can smell the whiskey. <laughs> that was his, his description of the atmosphere in the stadium. Uh, I... I to to for the sake of diversity, I'll say Penn State. Uh, I I love going to games there. It's hard to get there. There's no hotel rooms, uh, but the actual atmosphere at the stadium outstanding. When they do a whiteout and you get 108,000 people wearing white, and the student section is big and it's in a good place where they don't just shove them off in a corner. Uh, they really add some electricity to the place. Uh, I, I do enjoy the Penn State atmosphere. So there's a lot of good ones, and we can keep discussing that as the season goes along, places we like, places we don't like. Uh, but let's get to our fifth pick. Uh, good Big Ten game, important Big Ten West game. Wisconsin, see if they can pick up the pieces after that dreadful performance and home loss to BYU, which kind of derailed any of their national championship hopes, or at least playoff hopes, unless things change, unless they win out, and even then nothing's guaranteed, uh, is laying three and a half at Iowa, Kinnick Stadium, which has been a tough place for people to play over the years, and it is a night game where they have been especially difficult. Uh, What are your thoughts on that game, Pete? Well, it was interesting. I watched a decent amount of BYU-Wisconsin this week, sort of the, like, is this really happening? Is This this is really happening, isn't it? And uh, BYU had an interesting game plan. They they did not do what I was going to do, which is basically run straight at you. They uh they they really stretched out on the perimeter and you know, Jeff Grimes is their OC who kind of came from Auburn and there was some of that misdirection run jet sweep stuff 
that loosened the Wisconsin defense. And Jim Leonard, obviously, their D.C. is an NFL guy, and I think there were some struggles in adapting to that, and that actually allowed BYU to gash them up the middle because they loosened the perimeter up a little bit. Iowa is not going to do that. And I just think back to, I believe the statistic was that Iowa gained 66 yards on offense in that game last year. Now, it was up in Madison, but I just don't know if the the Leopard has changed its spots enough to to all of a sudden go nose-to-nose with – with Wisconsin and, and essentially beat them at their own game. Um, they, they are not, they are not all that different spirit animals at their core, these two programs. So I am going to, uh, I'm going to take Wisconsin nine to three. <laughs> yeah. Well, really the bet there is probably the under, and I don't know what the, I don't, yeah. I, I don't know what the, uh, the total is on the game, but uh, that, that would be an attractive bet to me just because, yeah, this it, it's funny. It was supposed to be a rebuilding uh, Iowa defense, but they have been shutting the door on everybody. They're leading the Big Ten in scoring defense. They've only allowed 24 points in three games. Uh, Wisconsin is third in scoring defense, so 9-3 sounds about right. But I'm here to tell you, Pete Thamel, it's going to be 10-9 Iowa. They're going to get a late touchdown. I, I think the Kinnick magic really amps them up. They play much better at home. As I said, their defense has been much better than expected. Uh, they have a, a veteran quarterback. They have a really good tight end in Noah Fant. They can run the ball well enough, I think. Uh, and I bet I'm, I'm going to say Wisconsin is a bit deflated after that loss and thinking about what they what they lost in that game and uh, kind of steps into a trap here, a little hangover game, and Iowa gets them. So we're going to be different on that one. You've got Wisconsin. I've got Iowa. Now, the, uh, the award-winning, much-anticipated Lock of the Week segment. Uh, you, As you said, you are three for three. I'm impressed. I'm two for three. I'm almost impressed. Uh, but what do you like for your lock this week, Pete? Well, I had so much luck uh, with Syracuse just pummeling hapless Florida State last week that I'm going to go to the well again. Uh, Northern Illinois is headed to Tallahassee. Right now, and I imagine this line's going to shrink because I'm not the only genius who watched that Florida State debacle last week. I believe it started at, in the 11 range. It's at 9.5 now. It may shrink more. But uh, Northern Illinois has pretty good defense, and Syracuse doesn't, quite frankly. And Florida State scored a touchdown, I think one touchdown with six minutes left. It was something, something of that nature. So I am going to take the Huskies going into Tallahassee, going nose-to-nose, I think it will be an ugly game. I think Northern Illinois pulls out a win 17-14 over the Seminoles. So the Seminoles will have two touchdowns, which against, you know, uh, FBS competition will be will be a marked improvement. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine though if you if you're a Florida State fan and you still want to actually go see them play and you show up for a home loss to Northern Ooh. Illinois after what you've already seen this year? Oh boy. That yeah. uh that that would not be pretty because I if they lose this game I think they're going one and eleven you know and I think the wheels really start coming off if they haven't already because it looks like a team with issues all over the place and I will say I think it is solid betting advice to just keep taking whoever Florida State is playing uh, until <laughs> proven otherwise because the other team the opposition has covered easily three straight times against the Seminoles. And you're right, that line I don't think has corrected itself enough to account for what Florida State is and has been so far. So I, I like your pick there. Uh, I am, all right, I've got, I'm taking a couple of home dogs in Texas and Iowa. 
But I am taking a road dog for my lock of the week, uh, as I did last week with Vanderbilt, as I did actually the week before with Virginia. Got those right. Two backdoor covers for your locks, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So. Although Vandy came close to winning outright, but it was it was a backdoor cover. Uh, but give me Washington State getting three and a half against not good at all USC. Uh, the game is in the Coliseum. The atmosphere is only good there when USC is good. So it's not like Washington State's walking into a snake pit. Uh, Washington State has been, as usual, as often as the case under Mike Leach, better than most of us expect. Uh, they are 3-0 and at this point. They are number two in the Pac-12 in defense. Uh, I, 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 I got to give tip my cap uh, to to the Pirate. He's he's put together a, a a a group that somehow year in and year out is pretty impressive. They won at Wyoming easily. They beat San Jose State, who is terrible. They beat Eastern Washington, which is a good FCS program by thirty five points. So USC had better get something right after last week uh, because I think that they're very vulnerable to being beaten there. And I certainly like Washington State getting the three and a half. So those are our lock picks. Those are our six-pack picks overall. Pete Thamel, any parting thoughts for the uh, listenership before they head off to make millions on our bets this weekend? If you are right on the uh, Washington State game Friday night, uh, they'll have to bring Clay Helton to a tarmac to fire him, <laughs> Lane Kiffin style. And then they can hand him a bag with like 20 million bucks or whatever they'd, uh, whatever they'd, they'd, they'd owe him for uh, a very misguided contract. It appears misguided contract extension uh, early there. But yeah, there's going to need to be some JT Daniels magic because that was, they were uninspiring against Texas. Yeah. They've just got, they got, they're so young on offense and their line is not playing well. They've got, they've got some issues there and, yeah, maybe Lynn Swan can reach out to Pat Hayden and find out how you fire a coach on the tarmac since he has that experience uh, there. All right, folks, that's the Race for the Case podcast this week. Again, subscribe on iTunes. Leave us a nice review. Uh, get a hold of us via Twitter or any other method and let us know what, what else you'd like to hear on this uh, podcast, and we'll see if we can incorporate it. Thanks for your time. Enjoy the weekend. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.